gather. All the kids come up to the front, kids 12 and under. Let's come to the front. Christ may be magnified, 
that we may make much of him, and that, Lord, our hearts would be ink, Lord, would grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to be a church that just magnifies Jesus. And becoming more and more important that. In Ezekiel 34, we're going to go straight into our, our what, what, I, what is considered our third observation in the text. If you remember the first one, thus says the Lord God. We talked about that as an observation. We said, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. And then we come to the third one today. We come to the third observation. I myself, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Will seek them out. So this one, this one is going to be a little bit more, um, I think, a little bit more challenging as to like what is what is in view. Well, he's, what will the Lord, what is the Lord saying he will do? He will seek them out. I, I myself will search for them. And we said the search was this idea of inquiring of the Lord, prayer, intercession on behalf of the sheep. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inquire of the Lord on behalf of my sheep. That's what the Lord, I'm going to do that myself. I'm not going to delegate intercession and prayer. I'm going to do this myself. Now now we come to this other part. I will seek them out. The question is, what does that mean? What, what is in view? I will seek them out. And of course, the picture we have in our mind, lost and found, I'll seek them, find them. But, but it gets a little bit not as simple. What does the Hebrew word seek mean? So remember, we don't apply our own mental images to the scriptures. We go to the Bible so that the Bible can form the mental images. Because we come with preconceived ideas. We come with presuppositions to the scriptures. And I think a lot of people just take it for granted. But we want to stop, seek them out. Yeah, lost and found may not be a bad, a bad metaphor. But we want to search the scriptures to see how does the word seek is used in the Bible? Um, interestingly, the word seek, right, um, expresses, is, is going to express two things in the Bible. Uh, first of all, the word seek is a priestly expression. It's something that happens in the context of the temple. It's something that that, that in the scripture, right, it's in the scriptures, that something that takes place in the context of a priestly function. And so this word is illustrated in Leviticus, um, where it's going to mean to inspect, to look at, right? So we get uh, Leviticus 13, verses 35 and 37, right? Leviticus 30, 35. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him, and if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellow hair. So you can see here this seeking is a specific type of seeking that a priest does to inspect to see if a man is leprous. And so, so this word is used here in Leviticus to describe seeking, but in, in the context of a it's very specific context of a leper. He needs to, uh, are you going to seek the yellow hair? Uh, in this case, because the itch has spread in the skin, he does not have to inspect for the presence of yellow hair. So this idea of inspecting carefully is the word seek. I will seek them out. I'm going to inspect carefully. All right? So, so um, secondly, right, secondly, the word is also used in Leviticus um, in, the context of, in the context of the temple. Again, 
It's a priestly word. Or it, it, there's another nuance to this word. So the first word is to inspect in the context of inspecting um, a leper. Secondly, the word uh, is used in the, in the book of Leviticus to express the idea of differentiating between different kinds of sacrificial animals. Alright, so that's right. So first, I will seek them out. I'm going to carefully inspect. Secondly, this idea of differentiating, making a distinction. Right? Look at look at Leviticus 27. Um, Leviticus 27, verses 32 and 33. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that passed under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Verse 33, one shall not seek, right? What does it say? Seek? No, it says differentiate. The idea in the context of Leviticus, you're not going to differentiate between good or bad animals. Very, very important. This is going to be extremely helpful in understanding Ezekiel 34. Carefully inspect, make a distinction. Is that clear? Pretty simple? Okay, I think we could, we could, um, uh, we could begin to start to form um, uh, what, may, what is, is imbued, right? So the word is going to communicate um, something that the Lord promises to do, to inspect and to differentiate, to make a distinction. Um, and, and you can see how these two words, you don't have to choose which one is it. You know, I have found oftentimes when you're doing Bible study, it's amazing how words come, although they might be nuanced in different ways, it's amazing when you look at it, sometimes uh, they're really speaking about the same thing, but just a different perspective, a different, right? So the way I look at it is that um, in order for you to differentiate, in order for you to, in order for you to make a distinction, you have to do something. What do you have to do? You have to inspect. Right? So, so there's no, you don't have to compete. So the question that, 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 and I believe that these two ideas, inspection, differentiating, will come together and when the Lord says, I will seek them out. I believe what the Lord is saying, I'm going to inspect them and I'm going to make a distinction. Now, obviously, if you're like me, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> that's, that's great. I, I, made, I made some progress in my understanding, but I'm not satisfied. And what does that mean to inspect? Inspect what? To make a different differentiate between what? So conceptually, I get it from an abstract, but from a biblical, I don't know what he's doing. So what does that mean? What what could what could perhaps the Lord had in mind? Have in mind? Uh, and we ask now the historical question. And remember, we, we, we take the history of the Bible very seriously. Don't ever just go to your problem. The Bible is history, it's sacred history, real history, not myths. And God revealed Himself in that history. And the answers, the shadows of those answers, are in those historical contexts. You know, so 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 we can now start to go. Okay, let's go into this history. What right? What does the observation mean in this historical context? Right. That's the second question that we ask. What does this mean in this historical context? And, and I, this is the way I phrased it. I phrased the leaders of Israel failed to carefully inspect the children of Israel. There was a failure. If the Lord, if the Lord is saying, I'm going to do this, it implies that the children of Israel failed, that the leaders of Israel, the shepherds of Israel failed. If they had not failed, would the Lord have to do this? But since they failed, the Lord said, I, I myself will seek them out. I'm going to inspect them. I'm going to make a difference. So, so we got it. And we know that the Lord is against the shepherds of Israel. He says it very clearly in Ezekiel 34, verse 1. And 2, the word of the Lord came to me. So this is in the content of Ezekiel 34. Son of man prophesied against the shepherds of Israel. So the Lord has a controversy. The Lord is, so in the content, we don't have to get into all the details. The Lord is um, 
against the shepherds of Israel. And verse 11, right, verse 11 will give us some insights because the Lord is doing something. The Lord is, is, is going to become personally involved. He says, I, I myself, right? Doesn't say that all the time. He's getting personally involved, but in his involvement, we, we, can, we can get insights as to what, what the real issue was. So we're going to raise, um, we're going to raise um, these three questions, and we're not going to cover them all today. But, but, but I think this, to be, to be uh, faithful to this text, I think we need to raise three questions. Number one, how can we begin to understand what does it mean for shepherds of Israel to carefully inspect the Lord's sheep, right? I want to, I wanna, what, what could that possibly mean in, in its historical context? What, 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 what kind of inspection here um, can, we, can we think about that it would make sense in that context? Number two, I want to understand what are the immediate implications of the shepherd's failure to inspect the sheep. Right? Well, I'm interested in, in what, are the, what was the consequence? What were the real material, spiritual consequences to failing to seek Right, we're building this case. And then thirdly, I want to ask the question, well, why did the shepherds of Israel fail to, what's the reason? Why did they fail to inspect the Lord? What, what was the reason? I want to know the reason. I want, what was their motivation? What, was the, what caused them to do, come to that place where they're no longer inspecting carefully the sheep? I want to understand the reason. I don't know about you, but I feel these messages are primarily geared to be quite honest with you, to myself and Ron. We're here. I believe these messages primarily the Lord speaking to me, and I'm just passing along. <laughs> but I feel the challenge in my own heart. You know, I was, that's why I'm asking these questions. What were the reasons? Because Lord, you can't tell me don't do this. But I want to know how do I? How do, what are the dangers? What are the things that lead me to doing that? Right? I want to know. I, I, I want to ask God for protection. I want to ask Him, give me grace, give me understanding. And then I want to take those things seriously. Ah, that's the reason why they did that. Whoa, I'm going to guard against that with God's help. Right? So we, so we use wisdom. Because these things are very real today. Amen? Amen. The situation in Ezekiel 34 is real today. Right? So, so those are the three questions that we will ask. And we will, we will, uh, uh, we're probably not going to cover them all, but we'll, we'll see how much we can, how much we, you know. The first question. And I believe these messages are going to be a, such a great segue to the things that we've been talking about. Pastor Ron and I have been talking about like creating a, a membership covenant. I, I said, Lord, you, 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 it's amazing how this is so helpful for that whole process that we've been working on, coming up with really forming for the first time in the history of Hope Community Church, a formal church, local church membership. In the covenant, and, and that's something that we've been so excited to talk about. And, and the Lord is just feeding that passion through these passages and seeing the, the wisdom um, of that. So I just want to I just want to let you know that I, I'm so encouraged by what the Lord is doing. But what's the let's the first the first question? How can we even begin to understand what does it mean for the shepherds of Israel to carefully inspect the Lord's sheep? And this, is, this took me time to really think about, meditate, pray. And it is a, um, I think the best, the best answer to this question is found to begin to consider the responsibility that the Lord had given to the priest. So it, it's clearly that they failed in their responsibility. The shepherds of Israel failed in their responsibility that God had given to them. So I think the answer has got to be found in that responsibility. We, I think we can find uh, what, what, what can begin to... Now what was, what was um, and, and we're not going to go into a whole priest um, um, job description, but what, did, what, what was one of the things that the Lord, one of the responsibilities that the Lord had given the priest? Well, let's look at Numbers 18. Numbers 18. Um, Numbers 18, 8. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron. Behold, 
I have given you chart of the contributions made to me. So the Lord uh, talks to Aaron and the Levitical priests, all right? I've given you charge, responsibility of the contributions that are made to God, not to Aaron. They're made, God says they're made to me. I'm going to put you in charge of those contributions, all the consecrated things of the people of Israel. You know, that's quite, quite the, um, right? So, so the, these priests are giving, are giving this responsibility over the contributions of the people. Those contributions are not for the priests. They're for God. These priests are just simply serving as stewards, administrators, um, you know, of, of, of what has been given to God by the people. The people bring these, these consecrated things. Consecrated means they're given to God and they bring him, right? And so, and then, so the people, the people were supposed to bring their sacrifices to the priests, right? God gave the priests this this responsibility, and as a result, the, God gave right. Um, God gave a charge to the people of Israel. Look at Leviticus seventeen five. Leviticus seventeen five. Um, this is to the end that the people of Israel may bring. Their sacrifices, right? Right? They bring their sacrifices, right? That they may bring them to the Lord, right? So that so again, the Lord is the is the recipient of these sacrifices, right? They're bringing them, um, right? This is to the end that they may bring the sacrifice that they sacrifice in the open field that they may bring them to the Lord to the priests at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Right? And sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. So the people basically were then commissioned to bring their contributions, their sacrifices to the priests. Uh, this, the contributions that they were going to give to God, they were supposed to bring it to the priest at the temple. Now, have you given some thought to that? Some of us said, well, I'm not, I really thought about that. Well, <laughs> this is God putting together uh, something that's very, very helpful, right? Uh, the Lord commanded the people to bring their sacrifices to the temple and bring them to the priest. In other words, the people of Israel were not allowed, they were not allowed to turn their homes into a place of sacrifice. No! Well, but this is for the Lord. What's wrong with my living room? No! Forbidden. Right? They were not allowed to just you know, right? There, there was a certain, there was a certain order that God had, had 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 put together, and they were not allowed to do that. In fact, the sacrifice of worship of Yahweh, apart from the temple, was strictly prohibited. And we know the sin of Jeroboam, right? Jeroboam. If you know anything about the sin of Jeroboam? Jeroboam was the first king, basically, that basically said, ah. Who needs Jerusalem? Right? Look at 1 Kings 12, 28. And this was called the sin of Jeroboam. Let me tell you today that the sin of Jeroboam is, has spread like cancer in the West. This is all over the place. The failure to understand the role of the temple in worship. Not a physical temple, right? But nevertheless, a temple. And so, so, so here we are. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. Why is he making two calves of gold? And he said to the people, you have gone to Jerusalem long enough. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel. He put one in Dan. You know, who needs Jerusalem? You know, God can be worshipped anywhere. Amen? Then this thing became a sin. But well, the people went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples in high places. So high places of uh, uh, you know, worshiping God without a, 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 a vital commitment to the body of Christ is a high place. 
<laughs> Let me say that again. Because I know a commitment to worship God apart from a meaningful, vital connection to the temple, the body of Christ, is, 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 is the sin of Jeroboam. I know so many people say, I don't need, I don't need the church. I'm fine. I, I worship at home. I read my Bible. I go to YouTube, and I'm fine. The sin of Jeroboam. Right? So we got to take this seriously. Uh, so the priests were responsible for the sacrifice of the worship. You know, leaders of the house of God have been given a charge over the people's contribution. And may the Lord help us with that massive responsibility. Now, okay, so the people, God put this thing in order. You know, God calls the shots. It's his world. It's his place. It's, it's his home. <laughs> it's, not that, it's, not, it's really not that complicated. You know? <laughs> he calls the shots. We just do what he says. Amen? That's it. So, okay, that's what God wants it. Okay, so the people now bring the sacrifices to the priests. Okay, great, fantastic. Now what? Why did the Lord command the people to bring their sacrifices to the priest. There was a specific reason why. Go to Deuteronomy 17.1. Deuteronomy 17.1. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish or any defect whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. You shall not sacrifice, right? You shall not sacrifice. They, 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 uh, they were given strict orders by God. The priests were given strict orders. You, you better not sacrifice, right? You better, you better not sacrifice um, anything that has blemish or a defect. The Lord commanded the people to bring their sacrifices to the priest in order to make sure that the, you know, right, that, that the, the sacrifice were, were without a blemish or any defect, right? Now, in order to make sure. In order for the priest, in order for the priest to make sure that there is no blemish or defect, what do you think they have to do? What have to do? Inspect. <laughs> I will seek them out. It's not right. It's not hard. It's like they're there. They're bringing sacrifices. And the priests are not just saying, well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> oh, God. No, there was, they received the animal. And then it was upon them. Say, um. <laughs> if you ever touch an animal, you can move anywhere. And they're like, totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> Right? And they have to inspect the animal, right? It's not that it's not that complicated, right? They have to inspect in order to make sure the sacrifice of people had no blemish. It would have been necessary for the priest to carefully inspect and examine the animal. While the worshiper himself, the person, the individual, bore some responsibility. So maybe we'll get to that at some point. But don't the worshiper, the person bringing the little calf, you know, that's he, he, he should know what he should be bringing. <laughs> he should know what he's to be bringing. But apparently the Lord said, that's not good enough. <laughs> we need an extra layer. Of, we need a customs, you know, with visa checking. Why are you here? <laughs> right? There, there's a spiritual customs at the temple. Call the priest. And, um, they were to inspect carefully. You see, that these, these priests, they acted as gatekeepers. God did not leave it up to the people to bring the right kind of offering. I don't know if you know it's a, it's a tremendous provision of God's grace. Right? God put a a barrier, a, a vetting system. What, why? Why did he put, why is that system necessary? Ezekiel 43, verse 12. Look at Ezekiel 43. This 
is the law of the temple. This law still exists. Do you guys know that? I mean, I hope that you guys don't, I'm not going to say, oh, that's the Old Testament. Are you kidding me? This has now been amplified by Jesus. This is, man, if we were to be, you know, the West kind of really dropped the ball. This, <laughs> this is the law of the temple. Not the suggestions. Not the guidelines. <laughs> Right? Like, like the, the things of God are holy. And we're sinful to the core. Does that grip you? This is the law of the temple. The temple is God's provision. But there's a law that governs that temple. And that law is eternal. And when Jesus rose from the, from the grave, he secured that temple, the law of that temple, even more so, right? And, and so this is the law of the temple, the whole territory, not just the front, the altar, <laughs> right? The altar, just the altar is holy. I mean, we, we, we grew up in churches that you know, we had the altar, holiness of the Lord. <laughs> and it was basically this area. And you can do whatever you want here. You can't hear. This is a party that's still like that. Like, <laughs> but you know, but we had this, you know. But no, it's the whole territory. The whole territory. <clears throat> On the top of the mountain, all around shall be what? Most. Holy? Most. Most. Now, when you see the word most holy, what comes to mind? Holy place, and you have the what? Holy, holy, or the most holy place. This is like innocent. This is it, right? This is as holy as it gets. The whole territory is not just holy, most holy. Man, if we were to like be a church with that sense, like God can only God, you know, He can study the Bible when He wants. And that's important to the Bible. But at the end of the day, God has to give the insight. God has to open our eyes so that we can walk with a sense of majesty when we are in the presence of each other. Not because of each other, but because of God is in our midst. I long for the reality of that every day of my life. To be real, authentic. To live in the reality of all that we claim not no longer to live with a, a dissonance, right? We say one thing, and then we live so disconnected from the reality. All of it. And then he repeats it again in Ezekiel 43. Behold. What does the word behold means? Look at carefully. Consider what? This is the law of the temple. So the holiness of the temple meant that the sacrifice could not have a blemish or any defect. So the responsibility of the priests was to inspect and examine the sacrifices of the people. And this was tremendously important. And the leaders in the house of God are appointed by God as gatekeepers of the worship in the house. They're to make sure that the law of the temple is not violated. You know? So you can, you, you, I hope you can understand the burden that we feel. We feel the reality of this burden, um, that the Lord will hold us accountable, that this law of the temple is very much active, and we will have to reckon with it. So please pray for us as we seek God's direction. Please pray for us. Because, you know, it's, so to conclude, basically, this section, I believe that, the, that carefully inspecting the Lord's sheep in Ezekiel, go back to Ezekiel 34, 11. I myself will seek them out. I believe what God has in mind here is a careful inspection and examination of the people, particularly with respect to their worship.
the shepherds of Israel failed to be faithful gatekeepers of the temple. They failed. I'm going to stop right there. I'll pick up the second question next week. What we're going to consider next week is, okay, they failed. What are the immediate implications of failing to carefully inspect the people with respect to their sacrifices and their worship to God? We'll pick that up next week. Because I think we'll see the gravity of the condition in Ezekiel 34. Why don't we stand, and Ed, when you come up, we're going to sing a song, and I just want us to meditate on that. We're going to keep it short and sweet today. Um, this is the law of the temple. The whole territory shall be holy. Now you might say, what does this have to do with anything? How about you? Do you know that the Lord also has pointed you as gatekeeper to the worship in your own heart? You're a gatekeeper, just like the priest, right? The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that means that all of us have a responsibility to be a gatekeeper of the worship, the sacrifice to God. It's a sobering thought. You, you are a gatekeeper. You know, we're, we're talking primarily gatekeeping with respect to Holy Community Church. But even before Holy Community Church, I am a gatekeeper to my own heart's worship to God. I have to inspect if the sacrifices that I'm bringing to God are defective. Does that make sense? That's not like a great question. But try to get the idea. I have to, as an individual, alright, forget about the local church for a minute, but as an individual, I'm a gatekeeper. I've got to figure out is my worship defective? Is my worship of God, is it blind? Is it lame? Is it sick? We're going to talk about that next week. So it's not just pastors, it's not just shepherds, it's not just leaders, but the reality is, us as individuals, you are a gatekeeper. Because if you're born again, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, right? You, you, you are part of this temple. And in you, there ought to be worship. There ought to be sacrifices given to God. If you don't realize that that's the most important thing in life, you, the meaning of your life, here it is. Worship God. <laughs> worship the greatness of Jesus Christ. That's why you were made. You were made to be a temple of continuous worship to Christ. For all eternity. And I can't wait for that day. But we're just, you know, today I couldn't, I, I wanted to keep singing. I, 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 I was going to sing my sermon. <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't come up with words. All I heard was melodies. I believe in heaven there'll be no talking. It'll be good morning, Gabriel. How are you doing today? And Gabriel will respond, Oh, Emmanuel, it's such a fantastic day. I, I believe that that we just continue to sing. That's the worship that God wants us to just be this extravagant worshipers. There'll be nobody in heaven reserved. Everybody will be, it's going to be ignited. <laughs> well, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't know about you, but because when I see people worship, if I can't even open my eyes sometimes, because if I do, I'm going to lose it. Because there's something about the worship, right? The psalmist says, let us exalt his name together. But what, what, what is the worship? Have you, have you been inspecting? Have, are you, what kind of worship are you bringing to God? Is your gatekeeping functions, are they the same? Or do you just bring whatever you want to God? We're going to sing this song that we sang earlier. Let me be a sacrifice, holy and 
just humble recognition, Lord, of just um, just to that they would, Lord, just be filled with your joy, filled, Lord, with your grace, Lord, that they would um, know that you have something so overwhelmingly better than anything they've ever experienced in Jesus Christ. Oh God, thank you for this moment. Thank you that we can take a moment to pray and ask you to just bless them and grant that their eyes would be open to the revelation of Jesus Christ. That Lord, it would be more than just coming to church, more than just our reading the Bible, but something of the beauty, the magnificence, and the greatness of Jesus Christ would just overwhelm them, God. This is real. You are great and greatly to be praised. The issue is not with you. The issue is with us and our small appetites. And Lord, all the things that we fill our lives that just rob us, oh God, of the absolute joys, eternal joys, or the to taste richly of the fountains that you that there are in Jesus Christ. You said that you are, Lord, that you if any man thirst. Let him come to me and drink. Oh God, you satisfy to the deepest of our soul and spirit. And I just pray, God, that you deeply satisfy us. Oh God, whatever might be hindering, oh what good is it to be called a Christian, but not delight in Jesus Christ. Oh Father, I pray for all of us. I pray for myself. I pray for all of us as a church. Increase the greatness of Jesus Christ in all of us. So many of us are so filled with our concerns for our little problems. But the greatest concern in our life is the worship of a great God, a great King. That is the most important thing. And yet we can be, we can relegate that to lower such bottom of our list because of our finances, because of our physical, because of relationships. And we, Lord, we, we pray you forgive us. And make Christ, make Christ supreme in our hearts. We know we can't force it. We know we can't make it happen. But because of the Holy Spirit in us, make Jesus great in all of us. Let the, Lord, let the tide of the worship of Christ, let it just increase. Lord, Lord, little by little, I love that picture in Ezekiel. Rivers, oh Lord, the water will come to our ankle. And then the water comes to our thighs. And then the water comes to our chest. And before you know it, we are washed, swimming. Oh God, raise, raise the volume of the greatness of Christ in every heart today. Thank you so much for what you're doing today. Thank you for the work that you're doing in every single person. Oh God, I pray, give us fresh appetites from Jesus Christ. Not just to be a good person. Not just to overcome our sin and issue. Like, Lord, I'll be saying sin. That's good. God, give us an appetite for the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ. Oh God, that we might see him with surpassing beauty. So thank you so much today. Thank you for all that you've done. Bless your people, God, as they go home. Fill them with grace. Fill them with joy throughout the whole week. Let them remember when, they, when, they, when they're confronted with a disappointment this week. Remind them that the most important thing is the worship of Christ. To make much of Him. There is no situation, there's no problem where that need to make much of Jesus is diminished. So help us, Lord, to make much of you. To live in the light of the glory of God the face of Jesus Christ. So thank you today. Thank you for all that you've done. Bless them. Bless the people as they go home. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the Lord go in the peace of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, that's great.